Hey there, welcome to the North County Beat on Friday, May 29th. I'm Kelly Kyle. And I'm Ryan Wolt. We're here to bring you the latest updates from North County, San Diego. First, a quick shout out to the sponsor of the North County Beat, Cox Communications. Cox Communications offers high quality Gigablast internet services that help businesses, families, and individuals stay online and connected. Get more information at cox.com. And another quick message for you. The Coast News has been a leading voice in North County for 33 years. We continue to passionately cover the stories of our communities, of local economies, sports, culture, and politics, and of course, the impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic. If you'd like to support local journalism, please go to thecoastnews.com, and if you are able, click the donate button on the upper left. Now let's get to it. Despite the reopening of some state and local economies, The number of COVID-19 deaths has risen to 100,000 in the United States. San Diego County has fared better than other major cities, but at the time of this recording, there are still 260 reported deaths and 7,100 cases countywide. As the number of virus tests have increased, the percentage of patients afflicted with COVID-19 has gone down. The daily rates of infection have hovered around 3% of the total tests taken for the past 14 days. Health officials anticipated this decrease with more widespread testing. Anyone can now schedule tests at local Quest Diagnostics locations, and this week CVS opened seven drive-up testing centers throughout the county. CVS is expanding our COVID-19 test efforts in an effort to slow the spread of the disease. We're looking to expand our testing efforts to a thousand... Patients use self-swab test kits while monitored by pharmacy technicians, and the results are available in about three days. You can find a location and sign up for the required appointment on CVS.com. Even with increased testing, local hospitals are finding themselves at capacity. Kelly checked in with Dr. Kevin Shaw, an ICU doctor specializing in pulmonary care at Scripps Hospital in Encinitas, to find out how our regional healthcare system is holding up right now. The last time that we spoke, North County Hospitals and COVID-19, we were doing okay from what I recall from our conversation. But how is it going in our local hospitals now? Yeah, things are, are very different from the last time you and I spoke. Uh, over the last uh, month and a half or so, we've had a big increase in COVID patients uh, throughout San Diego County. Uh, our hospital census overall uh, at that time had been sort of on the low side. And I think, you know, as we talked about, a lot of that was driven by you know, people wanting to avoid the hospital or being concerned about exposure to other people with COVID. And so a lot of people were were actually staying home or avoiding going to the ER for things that they may have otherwise come in for. Uh, Things are very much different now. The hospitals are full. We are, uh, you know, throughout the system where I work, which is Scripps Hospital, we are out of ICU beds for the most part. There are very, very few ICU beds left. In fact, Um, Yesterday, we were overflowing, holding patients in the PACU, holding patients in the ER, um, because there was just no room to put anyone. And that seems to be the case throughout the county for for most of the hospitals uh, that I'm aware of and I've been in touch with. It's it's hitting us in a very uh, different way and and, in kind of a delayed way compared to, I think, earlier on, some people had 
thought we were breathing a little bit of a sigh of relief, and that really hasn't proven to be the case. I think that there's been some confusion lately around the COVID deaths in this area. Uh, there's been talk of, you know, actual deaths. I started seeing them latch on to that and saying that, okay, this isn't as bad as we thought because the only people that have died have been people who've had pre-existing conditions and everybody else, the, there were only six people who were totally healthy that died from this virus. So I didn't, I mean, I don't know if you've heard of that, but I was curious if you had. And I think that's an incredibly short-sighted an unintelligent way to view this. Everybody has a pre-existing condition and this whole viewpoint of us, you know, and I've heard this time and time again, it drives me crazy. It's us versus them. Oh, we don't need to worry about it because we're not 75 and on dialysis. Well, you know, I've had plenty of patients in their 30s and 40s get sick, end up on the ventilator. Um, we just had somebody uh, who was, he spent most of the last uh, six weeks at Scripps La Jolla in his 30s, completely healthy, no medical problems, physically fit, and was on ECMO and a ventilator for most of six weeks. Um, no pre-existing conditions. But this whole concept of us versus them, this only affects the old people with problems, is, is completely short-sighted and an un- unintelligent way to view this. So now that things are reopening in our area, I mean, will we be seeing a surge in cases? And I think the easy answer is yes, but I'd love your uh, perspective on that. We're seeing the surge right now. Mm-hmm. As I mentioned to you earlier, the fact that we are quote-unquote, reopening the country right now is absolute insanity to those of us who are working in the hospital. We are way busier now than we were several weeks ago. And this false sense of relief that people have that we're over the hump is completely not based on any fact. I mean, if you look at San Diego County, for example, which is obviously what we're focused on, the number of new cases per day reported has not changed. It has not gone down. The graph is still very much going up. Deaths are going up. Our ICU and hospital censuses are going up. Our number of ventilated patients are going up. And the county epidemiologists don't believe we're anywhere near the peak in San Diego County. They think we're going to hit it in September or October. So to think that right now we're somehow over the hump, I think, is incredibly short-sighted, and it's going to burn us. It's already burning us. We are already at or over capacity. I'm wondering why this is the case right now, because everybody in April, our government officials were saying, if you buckle down, we will be able to get a move on in May and June, and now we're getting there, but it doesn't, but is that still true? It would be true in a lot of parts of the country. It's not true in San Diego County uh, for the, the, the biggest reason is that we are adjacent to Mexico, and we have a lot of people, families who go back and forth or have come across the border or have dual citizenship who are exposed to people in the South Bay or live uh, in Tijuana or work in Tijuana or vice versa, live in Tijuana and work here, who are being exposed because Mexico and Tijuana especially is being hit incredibly hard. You know, this is not something that I've seen televised. There is lots of news about Italy and, and you know, Spain and China, but, but there's not as much coverage at all about, about Tijuana and, and Mexico in general, but especially Tijuana, um, which is absolutely getting, you know, completely impacted and overwhelmed by coronavirus. And, you know, as a San Diego County resident and San Diego County healthcare system, we're feeling that directly. You know, if you look at the the uh, race and ethnicity of the patients with coronavirus, it's, you know, about 65% Hispanic. You know, that does not reflect the the percent of San Diego, San Diego County residents uh, by race. So why is it, right? Why is it that 
there's such a huge increase is because we have people that are living, you know, in Mexico or along the border uh, who are being exposed to areas where they haven't buckled down as much or maybe got a late start on it. I know Mexico is doing a lot of the same things regarding social distancing and isolation, but but didn't get on it quite as quickly as us. And it's it's you know for lack of a of a better term, sort of you know spreading to areas around and spilling across the border. And you know we're trying to help out our colleagues in Tijuana, and we're we're sending folks down there and sending supplies down there. Um, but you know this is this is not an isolated thing, and it's not as regional as people want it to be. And so these areas are are affecting each other and. Um, this this proximity to Mexico is is a very large reason why San Diego County is getting impacted the way we are. You know, we are not over the surge. We are not in the surge. We are getting, you know, we're approaching the surge. We haven't even hit the surge yet, and it's all we are already over capacity. Thank you so much, Doctor Shaw. Anytime, thanks, Kelly. With unemployment rates up and many San Diegans out of work due to the coronavirus. The county has made moves economically, granting more authority to reopen businesses with restrictions. Most retail is open for pickup, delivery, and some in-person shopping. Hair salons and places of worship were given the go-ahead to open at reduced capacity. And last week, restaurants and breweries that served food were allowed to reopen with restrictions like reduced capacity, removing tables to allow for social distancing, staff wearing face masks and having temperatures monitored, added sanitation and cleaning, and additional masks required for guests when they're not seated at their table. Some restaurant owners applauded the decision to allow for some dine-in services and reopened almost immediately following the announcement. But not all were prepared to throw the doors open. Bigby Beer Company, brewery, and restaurant was one of those that have decided to wait a bit longer before reopening to the public. Co-owner Dandy Bagby spoke with us, explaining some of the reasons behind their caution. Right now, we are in a holding pattern. You know, it's frustrating. It's... It's contrary to everything that we want to be doing, but at the same time, we have to be responsible to to our business and to make sure that we are going to have something in the long term. So the first part is that, and that's a big question, right? Do you drive enough revenue to cover your costs? I don't know. I mean, that's honestly, that's a big question. But also, you mentioned too a minute ago, this idea that things are changing quickly. All of a sudden, we go from, you know, shut down, social distance, stay home to, sure, come on out, uh, just, you know, Wear masks if you can. It's recommended but not required. And so the the other big drive for us is what hasn't really changed, which is this is still a threat. This is still in our community. Nothing has changed. I'm not quite sure what the scientific drivers are for these changes that are happening right now, other than people are getting antsy, people are bored, people are frustrated. They don't see it maybe on their doorstep, so it must not exist or must not be the threat that we thought it was, but my question is to everyone is like, did you ever quarantine? Did you ever stay home? Did you ever change your behavior? Did you ever abide by any of these guidelines? If you did at any point, then what has changed to, to make that different today? Dandy reiterated their concern as owners about the ongoing impacts of the coronavirus, especially with more people out and about. You know, we are, you know, hyper aware that this could this is still there. And the more people are out and about and disrespecting the basics of this, you know, these health orders, honestly, it makes me more nervous to open than ever. While continuing to prepare for a future opening, Bagby Beer Co. has been proactively surveying their customers to find out what expectations will be and what will help those customers feel safe when they do return for beer and food. The feedback so far has reinforced the Bagby team's mindset 
that despite the collective cabin fever out there, a majority of their customers want restaurants and breweries to proceed with caution to help prevent the spread of the coronavirus. Now let's look at the reopening of hair salons and houses of worship. They will still have to adhere to strict health and safety measures upon opening back up to the public. Worship services have to limit attendance to 25% capacity with social distancing, and they need to limit practices that involve sharing food or drink. And for those of us who are in desperate need of a haircut, if your salon hasn't opened just yet, it probably will soon. Many salons are putting the finishing touches on their facilities to get them safe and compliant with the county health rules. Tanya Proctor, co-owner of Noni Salon in Encinitas, is getting her own business ready to open, and she assures people that salon workers have always had a strong commitment to health and safety. Every licensed cosmetologist and barber has gone through 1,600 hours, if not more, in training just in sanitation alone. These reopenings have technically moved California into phase three of the governor's plan, which was originally expected to happen by July or August. However, not all businesses included in phase three are allowed to reopen just yet. We're still waiting to hear about nail salons and movie theaters, and also our workouts. The state is expected to make an announcement on gym and fitness studio reopenings in the next week or so. Pure Bar is a national chain of workout studios with multiple locations in San Diego County, including Del Mar and Carlsbad. Meg Hamilton, lead teacher and director of operations for the local studios, says they are safely ready to hit the ground running with a modified structure. We are ready and we're starting to do some like small-scale practices with some of our teachers and sales reps, bringing them in so that they can see what that flow would look like and we can make sure that it's a really seamless process. But for smaller studios, reopening has presented a few challenges. Elise Garbosa owns Be Move Dance Connect, an independent dance and fitness studio in Encinitas. They love to open as soon as they're able, but there is a lot to prepare. Closing was expensive. Reopening is very expensive because of the um, new protocols that have to be put in place for spacing and cleaning and scheduling. And just getting the equipment that I need to reopen has been challenging. As these studios plan what their reopenings will look like, both B Move Dance Connect and Pier Bar San Diego will continue to host classes online as well. And as for when you can get back to your regularly scheduled in-person workouts, we will most likely know more on that next week. This Monday was Memorial Day, but the celebrations looked a bit different this year. Typically, Memorial Day weekend also brings plenty of tourists and locals out to the beaches. With many area beaches opening back up for partial use only, this put officials enforcing the new rules in a difficult position. In Carlsbad, there were stark differences between the state and city beaches over the holiday weekend. The state beach park rangers were enforcing the county health order that allows for running, walking, surfing, and swimming on the beaches, but not for sunbathing or gathering. But on the city side, lifeguards were attempting to educate, but leaving enforcement up to the local police who were not issuing tickets. And the sand was filled with people hanging out, enjoying the beautiful weather. In response, the city of Carlsbad and the Carlsbad Police Department announced they are shifting to a more rigorous enforcement of beach rules, and they'll be sending more officers to the beach from now on. But in a twist, on Thursday, the county issued a statement that beaches will be reopened to passive uses like sunbathing and sitting on Tuesday, June 2nd. In some non-coronavirus news, the issue of bluff safety is on the table at the state senate. A bill introduced by State Senator Pat Bates pledges to make the beach safer for visitors and homeowners, but some residents say it could do more harm than good. Kelly breaks down the issue with this report. 
Last August, a bluff collapse in Lucadia made national headlines. Breaking news, a deadly beach collapse in Southern California. Two more victims of that bluff collapse in Encinitas died in the hospital tonight, making it now three lives lost. A 30-foot slab of sandstone crashed down at Grandview Beach, killing Ann Clave, her mother Julie Davis, and Clave's aunt Elizabeth Cox. That same day, Lucadia resident Charlie McDermott was out with his daughter when he saw the police race down Neptune faster than he had ever seen before. They walked to the beach to see what was going on. You could see them trying to dig the victims out, and it was just this frantic digging. After witnessing the chaotic and tragic scene that resulted from the bluff collapse, McDermott wanted to act. You know, I saw people dead and suffering and panic, and the lifeguards, I'm sure they're never going to be the same. That's when I told my daughter, so this, this has got to stop. This is never going to happen again. His concerns led State Senator Pat Bates, who represents parts of North San Diego County as well as some of Orange County, to sponsor Senate Bill 1090. Basically, this would make it easier for private homeowners as well as city, county, and state agencies to take measures to mitigate erosion that causes these bluffs to fall. Many of these uh, proposed mitigation projects are delayed and delayed and delayed by months and sometimes years and then find their way into litigation. That's Senator Bates. She says SB 1090 would amend the California Coastal Act to streamline the approval process for these projects, which could eliminate those lengthy delays. The bill's original language gave 30 days to approve a project, but Bates is willing to extend that if necessary. Her goal is to mitigate erosion as soon as possible. So it's something that I believe is, is doable. And if you don't throw it out there and get them all stirred up so that they say, so it makes them start moving on a solution, nothing will happen. The bill also requires the person or agency initiating the work to pay for up to $25,000 of sand replenishment at the site. Charlie McDermott says there is a huge need for this, citing research from a report put out by the Army Corps of Engineers that indicates there is already a large sand deficit in this area. McDermott says there isn't enough sand being produced by the bluffs, and that $25,000 worth would be enough to make a significant improvement. A single permit under SB 1090 would result in a thousand cubic yards of sand put on the beach. That's if you're allowed to actually buy the sand and put it on. They didn't water it down with a bunch of permits and other costs. So that single permit to fix something for the public benefit would result in over 100 years of erosion offset per 50-foot wide lot. But Jim Jaffe, a Solana Beach resident and volunteer co-chair for the Surfrider Foundation's Beach Preservation Committee, questions whether that's necessary. The Surfrider Foundation focuses on preserving the beaches, and they have been vocal opponents of this legislation. Jaffe says many of the area's beaches aren't supposed to be sandy. We have reefs that are the remnants of the old bluffs eroding. There's not been sandy beaches here. That is a myth. We, we have rock bottoms that are topped with a thin veneer of sand. So as these beaches get replenished with more sand, Jaffe says there's a risk of covering the reefs, harming the sea life, and damaging the beaches once the ocean moves over those areas. You know, you need that process to form beaches. It's dynamic. It's only in the last hundred years we've decided to fix the beach in one position. Another contentious point of the bill was language that made it easier to install seawalls specifically. McDermott says he's happy to have the word seawall come out of the bill. There are other erosion mitigation methods that he believes would work just fine, in addition to that sand replenishment. And what we've proposed in the compromise is clearly spelled out the Army Corps of Engineers. And that's notch infills, cave fills, protective toes. It's still 
allow for an erosion, but dramatically increase public safety. Jaffe has a different take. He says homes have been built too close to the edge of the bluffs, and that development has contributed to this instability. He says even if you do fill those small caves at the bottom of the bluff... The top of the bluff is still unstable. So you've created even more dangerous condition, and you've destroyed the waves in the beach. So Jaffe suggests that homeowners could tackle bluff safety from the top. If they restore the bluff back to its original slope before construction, the cliff could become more stable. But this is a tough decision for homeowners because... You might have to remove part of that home to get that beach stable. That brings up the concept of managed retreat which is the proactive removal and adjustment of structures at risk of falling victim to erosion. This doesn't always mean homes need to be torn down. Some models of retreat involve cities buying up properties and moving them inland, which does come with its own challenges. Still, organizations like the Surfrider Foundation see this as a better long-term solution for preserving the beaches, while things like seawalls and the measures proposed in SB 1090 seem more like band-aids on a bigger issue. And we're protecting the environment We're protecting the safety of the people in that environment. The beach isn't safer if that beach is destroyed. But for Senator Bates, the priority is to protect homeowners and beachgoers right now. Let's talk about the decade. What are we going to do between 2020 and 2030 to make sure that we are not, you know, having to purchase billions of dollars of private property Mm -hmm. because we didn't do some mitigation in the last 10 years? The grim realities of bluff erosion's effects on homes won't start to manifest for another few decades, depending on which projections you look at. Still, with several bluff collapses over the past century, including what happened last August in Lucadia, the beach reminds us that there is a problem, and we will need to address it somehow. McDermott says SB 1090 will make it less daunting for oceanfront homeowners to take on projects that they believe will help the community's beaches. Everybody knows where the hazards are. They, they're stressed out that they can't deal with their own property. It's not a matter of unwillingness that they won't pay for it or whatever. And they want to do the right thing, and they just want to be able to submit a thing and go fix something. The Senate bill was tabled this week following a public hearing in the Senate Natural Resources and Water Committee. A statement from Senator Bates's office said they are working to gain bipartisan support for the bill before pushing it to a vote. They aim to vote on SB 1090 before their legislative session closes at the end of August. That's our show, everybody. Be sure to check out thecoastnews.com regularly for all the new stories coming out of North County, San Diego. And if you're looking for more podcast content, please check out the brand new Cheers North County podcast, where I get a chance to have a drink with interesting people from our community. The first few shows are available now. Just search for Cheers North County wherever you listen to great podcasts. We covered a lot today, but just as a reminder, things are changing almost daily. So keep checking in with your city's guidelines for all of the latest updates on COVID-19. You can also check in with the Coast News COVID-19 resource page for more helpful tools and news stories on the latest developments. That's all at thecoastnews.com. For today's show, we want to thank a few people who helped out with the episode. Contributing reporters Lexi Broat, Caitlin Steinberg, Steve Petersky, and Samantha Taylor. Our editor-in-chief is Jordan Ingram. Our associate publisher is Chris Kidd. And our publisher is Jim Kidd. The next episode of the North County Beat will come out on Friday, June 12th. I'm Kelly Kyle. And I'm Ryan Wolt. Thanks so much for joining us and have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next time.